You guys, I am so excited. It is finally here. I can finally announce it. My book is launching in January, early January 2020. It's called Hitting Rock Middle, The Roadmap from Empty Success to True Fulfillment. I cannot wait to share my baby with the world. And I get to go on a book tour and share all of this great information with you. So it got me thinking that I really want to get face-to-face with you, the listener, and be able to hear what you're struggling with and be able to help you reach your greatest potential. So if you're someone listening to the podcast or you've been following me on social media, you know that I love to do these workshops and to be able to interact with people who are looking for more in their lives or they've been struggling to take their business to the next level. No matter where you are, if you are someone that wants more, then this type of workshop is perfect for you. Imagine yourself just having a day away from your phone and email to really concentrate on your business instead of just being in it and being surrounded by a lot of other female entrepreneurs who want what you want and who are like-minded. If you want a day like that or even an afternoon like that, let's plan it together. Let's make it happen. I love nothing more than coming to your city and being able to provide this for you. So if you are hearing this and are thinking, yeah, that sounds pretty great. I could use a day like that. Then reach out to me, send me an email and let's get started planning a stop in your city. I can't wait to share Hitting Rock Middle with you and it's going to be here before we know it. Listener, I'm your host, Sally Holder. Join me each week to escape and be refreshed with stories of people who dared not to settle for the American dream. Go beyond just getting enough in life and live into a place where big dreams actually do come true. In each episode, you'll discover why internal success is better than external success. Be prepared to redefine what your best looks like in your life and free yourself from the guilt of wanting more. It's time to make your business even better. Welcome listeners to the Hitting Rock Middle podcast. I am so excited for this next episode. Get ready to laugh. I have an amazing author. Her name is Stephanie Krikorian. She is actually a New York Times bestselling ghostwriter, an Emmy-nominated reality television creator and executive producer. She's even been a journalist with the New York Post, O, Oprah Magazine, Wall Street Journal, you name it. She's an incredible woman, as you can tell. Oh, and let's not forget she's also studied improv, which I think you are going to recognize throughout the episode because she made me laugh constantly. But before we get to her detailed episode about her new book called Zen Bender, 
I had to just share a quick story about something that I experienced this week that I thought was so relevant to you listeners. I was exhausted coming back from a work trip and I made an intentional choice on a Saturday to leave my briefcase in the car. Now, I know that sounds like such a simple thing and you might even be wondering, why in the world are you sharing this story with us? But I wanted you to recognize what came next. As a result of doing that, I didn't have my computer within arm's length. I was able to be really present in the moment, just relaxing. It's a novel concept for most of us. Whether you're an entrepreneur or an executive in another business, it doesn't matter. We all work too often. You know, I hear clients tell me all the time, I never get a break or I never have a time where I'm not bombarded by email. And one thing I really want you all to recognize is a lot of that is by our own choice, right? We choose when to pick up our phone. We choose when to open our computer. And I am extremely guilty of that too. I'm in it with you guys. So This past Saturday, I closed my computer, I left my briefcase in the car, I put away my phone actually in my bedroom, and I just watched a movie. It's been so long since I've done that, and I probably would challenge you to think about the last time you allowed yourself to do the same. It was incredibly refreshing, and actually on Sunday, I felt ready to get back to work. I felt excited about planning my week and planning out my batch working. If you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to it. And it made me so excited about what's to come because I had given myself that break. So your challenge from me to you is to give yourself a break sometime, whether it's this week or this weekend, to be able to take a second for yourself. I'm always preaching about self-care and it helps you be your best. So do it for yourself. And I think that you'll hear a lot of the same from our guest today. In fact, she talks about all of the different things that she tried to achieve, to use to achieve her best and her greatest success. It is hysterical, all of the trials and tribulations she went through. In fact, she talks about one thing, Reiki, quite a bit. And I thought that might be something that not all of our listeners know about. So I'll offer a quick definition before we get started with the episode. And I I actually had to Google it myself. So you're not the only one. But Reiki is a therapy often described as palm healing or body healing. It's a hands-on body healing in which the practitioner places hands lightly over the patient's body to facilitate the patient's process of healing. It combines methods from the Japanese and Chinese word characters of Rei, which stands for spiritual or supernatural, and Ki, which is vital energy. So it's a form of energy healing, and it's become rather popular. So I am excited for you to hear about Stephanie's experiment with Reiki and even her few stories about how shiny hair might get you what you want. So get ready to laugh. I can't wait for you to get to know Stephanie Krikorian and hear more about her book, Zen Bender. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me on the Hitting Rock Metal podcast. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to talk to a fellow author. Um, I have a book coming out soon as well. So when 
I saw your book, Zenbender. I was like, this whole concept just blew my mind. And I thought it had such a great sense of comedy to it as well. So give me the whole backstory on, you know, why you wrote the book and tell us a little bit about it. Sure. Well, it was really an organic um, idea as in it was happening. That was my life. And, um, and kind of one day it just popped in my head, Hey, maybe this would be at first. I thought maybe this would be an essay. And then I thought, Oh, maybe this will be a book. So the trajectory just to back up and give you a little history. I worked in television news as a producer for maybe 15 or 18 years. And like many, many people, I got laid off during the recession. They canceled my show that I was working on. And I did you know, I applied for something like 31 jobs along with everybody else. And in the meantime, I had ghostwritten a book for a nutritionist and then I had another book in the works. And so as I was staring down a news job that was not paying me a lot of money and trying to jump out and make it on my own as a ghostwriter of self-help books, I had this, you know, brief epiphany of, okay, bet on you you can get laid off again. Let's, let's go for it here. And so I started ghostwriting books for celebrity authors, mostly self-help. And in, in and around that time, you know, the vision board was sort of a big deal. And I started vision boarding and I was feeling defeated. I loved working in news and I did have this sort of outlet to, to keep on, keep on going, but it was really hard. And in, working on self-help books, I started reading more self-help books for research. And then I started trying coaches and gurus and basically every kind of fix that was out there. And it was this sort of feeling that if there were all these fixes available, then surely there must be a lot of holes in my mind, body, and soul. And so I grabbed at them until I had this epiphany a decade in that I had been on a Zen bender. I'd gone on a bender seeking all sorts of things that were maybe unattainable or maybe weren't, but they were kind of dumb. And I, the epiphany kind of came after a grueling session of Reiki while I was listening to a self-help book on tape, walking out on the Venice pier. And <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's like 12 things at once. We're going to pile it all on. I love and it. I really did. And that was the whole thing. I really did pile it all on. I mean, I left no healer, you know, unturned. I tried everything and I, I didn't even follow through on them all. Like I would pay $200 for five sessions of this rainbow healer and then quickly move on to the numerologist, just like scrambling. So that's sort of, and then it sort of, I thought, Oh my God, this is this 10 year pocket is kind of a funny look at all the things we do to fix our, fix ourselves. So that's sort of the long, the long version. I love that. Yeah, the subtitle, give us the subtitle. It's to fix everything that's not broken, right? Did I say that? A decade-long enthusiastic quest to fix everything that was never broken. There's that little bit of the Dorothy with the red shoes. I had them all along. Um, You know, you have all the tools. I think we all have the tools to, you know, fix ourselves. Or do we really even need fixing? We have the tools to be where we're supposed to be in us. And so I think that that was where we all... I think that's where the wellness industry really comes screaming in our face and making us, you start to see your shortcomings rather than your strengths. And I think that's what kind of happened um, where the, that was never broken part comes in. Oh, I absolutely love that. I mean, we have a lot of the same exact philosophy too. And that is, I've always said that you have everything within you already. 
And all you need to do is be able to turn inward rather than outward to get the solution. And I did much of the same thing, except my pursuit was of accolades and success and achievement. Um, So I feel like, you know, whether it's the guru or whether it's the award, either one is not going to give you that fulfillment that we all really seek. You, You have it. You just need to stop. Yeah. And I think it, I think in part, um, some of those things were on, on the list, you know, my, my sort of, I call it the inciting incident, uh, you know, was the job loss. And so success was the, what I was really trying to achieve on, on many fronts. And I think that's that sort of, I had that bet on you moment. I did have it in me to trust my gut and know I could be successful, whatever that measure was that I was measuring up against instead of my I was measuring against everybody else. And I, um, had that moment bet on you and then I lost it. Then I, my confidence kind of got eroded and things got hard and, um, not, and and I just want to back up and say, people have much harder lives than me. This was not a, I was not, you know, (laughs) I was, I was struggling relative to my life, but I don't want to diminish the real struggles of other people. This was sort of a funny look and I did lose my job and I was worried about it, but there was, I was never staring down homelessness or anything like that. And I know people do, so I don't want to make light of that, but success to your point, measures of success, what was success and how could I achieve it? And if I wasn't, who could I hire to help me get there? And was, you know, I'm single and was being married quote unquote success in some people's eyes. I felt like it was, was being thin success. Sure. I had to chase that was being, you know, whatever all these other organized, you know, Marie Kondoing my house, was that success if my socks were rolled properly? Yeah, <laughs> apparently, you know. <laughs> so it is, and all the, I think another indictment of the wellness industry is they, they don't call it success when they come at you, you know, but I think it really means that it is however you're rewarded and how you compare yourself to other people, which there's that saying, and I don't even know who said it, comparison is the thief of joy, you know, and you don't realize that when you're deep in it. But I, I get that. I get you on that. That's, that's, you're all, we're always, I mean, isn't everybody else getting nominated for an Academy Award or something? And I'm sitting here, you know, trying to make $5 writing a, you know, blog <laughs> post, you know, so. <laughs> the loaf on the couch. I know, right? We all equate ourselves, swing that pendulum zero to 10, right? I'm either the superstar or everyone else's. And I'm the one that does nothing and says on the couch all day, scrambling for our worth. Yeah, exactly. And so what have you been advising people, other people then on how to maintain that confidence? Because that seems like a critical part of your journey was that you bet on yourself, but then you lost the confidence. So, you know, is part of the book about kind of giving people the tools to kind of maintain the confidence throughout the journey? So, you know, it's funny. I'm, I, I look at myself as a, a consumer of self-help and all of those things, but not an advisor. And my wise acupuncturist, um, we were talking sort of through at one point how I would kind of, I'm like, I don't want to give advice. I don't feel I'm equipped to give advice. And she said, you just share your story and they can glean from that, the, the answers. And so that was sort of the idea. And I think, you know, I think, um, you have to look at all of these, if there's, if there's a nugget of takeaway in this, which I think there is, is you have to look at all of these things you try. I don't discourage anyone from doing them because I think there is a placebo effect to, you know, whatever you take on, whatever healer you take on or whatever coach you take on, it it encourages you. It gets you, you know, revved up and in the game and, and, you know, your mind's in the right place. And so you're trying, you know, you're working on something, but to look at it critically 
draw only a thread from any advice you get rather than ceding power completely over to other people. And I think it took for me, I forgot that. And I forgot it in the most important places. I talk this one story, talk about this one story in the book. I would, you know, do everything, whatever the healer said, or the dating coach told me, whatever the dating coach told me to do. I, I like, it was my job. I followed like Marie Kondo told me to, I mean, I spent three weeks doing exactly what she said in my house. I meanwhile have not watched a single episode because I knew I would do the same. If I watched it, I'd be all in. That's just me too. Yeah. Pre-show. I read the book and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm sold. I even like Marie Kondo in my freezer, which is frankly, I highly recommend because you can see everything. It's really smart. But um, I love you. <laughs> but I think you, what happened, I and I'm not sure if it's cause and effect, but what happened is I was spending so much time on the numerologist and the astrologist and the Reiki and all of these advice they were giving me that on a critical thing, which was I went to see a financial planner as soon as I got laid off to just get everything organized. And then I handed her the keys to the castle and I didn't realize for five or six years, short story, long story short, I was paying her the exact amount of money, if not a little bit more that I was able to scrape together and save. And I was like, wait a minute, you mm. idiot. You should have had your eye on that ball. And that was a little, that was a wake up call. It took that to remember, uh, you worked in financial news. You should have known this instead of trying to figure out what the numerologist was telling you about, you know, the wrong numbers you had your eye on. So in terms of mustering the confidence, I think you just got to remind yourself to check in with what you used to do that you were confident about. And I think that was kind of part of my epiphany, like, wow, I used to really not have anxiety and not get stressed out about something super tiny and manage all these big things. And to remember that, cause you're going to lose, I lose sight of it all the time. I have, you know, broken confidence every 15 minutes where I'm like, Oh, I suck. And then I have to remember, remember when you achieve that one thing or remember you got to do that. You can do it again. You're just going to have to do it the hard way. And I think that's another thing. Nothing's easy. You got, you got to do things the hard way and that's okay too. Yeah. Isn't that true? Um, I talk a lot about it with with clients and now a little bit in in my book as well is that I've always seen this graphic on the internet that says here's your comfort zone and I don't know if you've seen it as well and and then there's this big circle out there that says this is where the magic happens and there and okay and there's nothing in between and so I, I've always said that it, people seem to perceive that or believe that you jump from your comfort zone to the magic. And that couldn't be further from the truth. And so there is that big, you know, emptiness in between the two. And I always say that's your discomfort zone. And you better be ready to live in that before you get to the magic. And let me remove any idea that you know, when you're doing what you meant to, you're meant to do, that it's supposed to be easy. That's just a bunch of BS. And yeah, so I love that you're willing to say it's hard because a lot of people won't. Yeah, it's hard. And I think to your point, which I've never thought of that graphic like that, that there's just, you know, two slots. Everybody is wired differently. So maybe somebody does get really lucky one day and jumps to where the magic happens, but most of us don't. And we take this different path, you know, to your point from the comfort zone, you dip into the discomfort zone, you might get a little magic. And I think that's one of the kind of cautionary tales of all of these things. Like how happy are we supposed to be when we're doing these journaling projects that tell us to be happy? Everybody's happy is different. Content is different. You know, can we just be content one day or how 
you know, enlightened do we have to be? Everybody is not the same. It's the same with diets. You know, I, I wrote this one chapter called, uh, I think I called it no diet left behind, but I'm not sure. Um, where I, I, (laughs) I combined every single diet I knew I had written about, I had tried in a six week span I mean, I locked myself in and went for it. And I didn't really, I lost maybe a pound. I mean, by rights, I should have lost 20. I was starving and it didn't happen. And that's to to your point. There are different, everybody has different zones. Everybody has different genetic makeup. Everybody has different, you know, factors that influence their ability to lose weight. So these are not one size fits all diets or, you know, and everybody's so, it's like the problem with social media and even just the, all the information that's out there. Everybody's a born again. So everybody says, this is where the magic happens. You've got to get there. You know, it's not, maybe not for me or maybe not for you. And this is, if you drink celery juice, you're going to love it. Well, maybe not, you know, and maybe it's not for me. Or it looks so, disgusting. <laughs> and it's gross. <laughs> so yeah, that's, it's a great point. It's a great way to look at it. That's a good example of it is not one size fits all. So now that you stripped away some of these things, I'm very curious, what do you have left? You know, what did you decide just for yourself? Because I love that it's, you know, so individualistic. But so what did you decide worked for you? What created the wholeness, the happiness, you know, that sense of fulfillment to you? Did you, you know, hang on to the Reiki person, but ditch the numerologist kind of what what landed? Sure. I think a lot of a thread of a lot of things landed. Um, acupuncture, I do. So, and I guess I also, whatever landed, I sort of consume differently. So acupuncture landed as preventative medicine for me. I call my Alexis, my acupuncturist, the head of my wellness team. Once a month, I go to acupuncture and it just reduces my anxiety. Um, instead of, you know, for the Reiki, I started with this, um, one healer and realized it wasn't the right person. And I found another person who does Reiki, Erin, and that chapter or that section is remote Reiki because she's, we don't live in the same city. And when I'm really frazzled, I call her. Um, and that was great. Yoga obviously is great. And to realize you can't, I don't do that for my physical workout as much as my mental workout. And the kind of, we had it all in us all along the, the, number one tool that I always had, that I always loved, that I forgot I loved was just walking and walking and walking. And, um, that's my thing. And so to remember, get up and go for a walk because that's the heal all. So, and I think just, you know, if you find fun in some of these things, actually I had this, um, uh, friend of mine, Elizabeth is an, uh, I guess it's called an astrologist. She charts your, your natal charts. And that was fun because, it inspired me and it reminded me, you know what, just because you're 50 now doesn't mean it's over and this is going to be it. You can do new things because she tells me things about myself. So I'm not against any of it as long as your eyes are open, but those sort of preventative things, um, are maybe the way to go. The acupuncture preventatively, the yoga mentally preventatively, the Reiki, you know, and, and instead of waiting till you're feeling super broken, because then you're more susceptible to this whole fix me brigade, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and so things like, you know, the wacky one was the dating seminar that I went to where they opened with telling you, um, if you keep your hair long and shiny, 
then you will, um, men will think you're fertile and they want to marry you. (laughs) Stop. I swear. I swear. (laughs) And (laughs) that kind of stuff, you gotta be like, okay, my hair is tiny already. (laughs) (laughs) And I prefer short hair. So there's that. So I think you've got to really weed out what works, be prepared to cut and move on and don't get sucked in by the promise of all this stuff. So one thing that you said that I love as well is, you know, it's not over at 50. And I know a lot of my listeners are around that age, you know, and I'm creeping up there myself. And so I would love for you to talk a little bit, if you don't mind sharing what's next for you. I mean, what are you now excited about? Because you've done so many different things, you know, and it, which is one of the premises of hitting rock middle, which is go out there and explore. You're never stuck. Like you believe that you are, um, despite having this success in the industry that you're in, you can always reinvent yourself and create your passion if it's been lingering in you all along. So what are you excited now about taking on kind of next? Um, yeah, I think that's the interesting part of this is the, reinvention is, especially in this sort of world of gig economy and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not the old days of your parents where there were pensions and they stayed in one job for, you know, 40 years or whatever. 18 months is the average. Is that it? That's, that's the labor and employment lawyer in me coming out. I still love studying those things. Yeah. Yeah. 18 months. So, wow, that's Mm -hmm. pretty crazy. So I was thinking more in decades, um, that, you know, you. I, I think when I think about what am I going to do now, so I'm deep in a couple of projects and I really all I'm dreaming about is taking two weeks off, which just doesn't happen when you work for yourself. Um, right. <laughs> but I'm dreaming. I'm like, maybe in January I could have two weeks off, but I know that probably won't happen. But, um, you know, I really, I'd like to, I look at the at Zen Bender as my starter book and it was good exercise in, in how to do something, um, on your own. And I, I'm kind of trying to think of what's the next, what's the next project in terms of books and if that's possible. And I'd love to be able to write something, some fiction, but that's really hard. And it's a different muscle since I spent my life dealing in facts as a journalist and as with Zen Bender's nonfiction. So that would be a dream. And then, um, I have this really far-fetched dream to be a detective. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Like a police detective? No, like a private eye. But it's really, I looked into it, it's really almost impossible um, because you can't get your, you know, your PI license unless you work full-time as a private investigator for somebody. So, but I really, it's like one of those wacky, you know, things I never tell anybody, but now I'm telling everybody. Um, I, I took some improv classes and I'd like to do some more of that when I have some time. Um, not professionally, obviously, but it's fun and it's a good creative outlet. And when you do those kind of things, you're with all these really young people. So they're all very inspiring because they're excited and naive. And (laughs) (laughs) you're like, just wait. Um, but I do think losing my job, I think if I hadn't lost my job, I would have worked in television news until, you know, the end. And so I think that opened my eyes to like, Hey, I can do something different anytime I want to, and it'll be fine. So I guess I don't have a grand plan at the moment, but I do know, I do feel like, Hey, I can do whatever I want. I'll get there. Which is the grand plan. It's so beautifully said. And then one thing I'm always constantly harping on is, 
you know, that those events that we perceive at the particular time, you know, the loss of a job, even oftentimes, you know, the end of a relationship or whatnot can at the, in the current moment be perceived as a detriment, you know, something that is taking us down. And, and later on with hindsight, we were able, you know, we're able to gain the perspective that it was a gift. And I love that you can now look back as that was the beginning of this new trajectory for you. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's funny in Zen Bender, I write about this, that I don't, I still do not view the day I lost my job as what many people said at the time, oh, this will be the best thing that ever happened to you because it really was, again, putting in perspective, other people have bigger jolts in life. It really was a jolt for me and I didn't enjoy it and I wouldn't wish it on anybody. And I think, um, you know, I think, yes, it, it, I learned so many things about myself, but I really feel people, um, when you say things like, Oh, it'll be the best thing that ever happened to you. They just didn't ever want to talk about like the despair I was feeling or the humiliation Mm -hmm. and not just me. I think we generally feel uncomfortable talking about people's struggles, you know? So when someone's sick, Oh, you'll be fine. You'll be over it in two days. When someone's, you know, you know, they're in a relationship and they're like, I'm just not sure it's right. You're like, Oh, it'll be fine. Just give it time. You have to try harder. You know, what about maybe it sucks. Let's get deep down into the ugly side of this and see what you're really feeling. And people shy away from that. And I try to, I tend not to, I try not to say on the bright side, when someone starts a sentence with on the bright side, you know, I want to punch them in the face, you know, (laughs) I'm on the dark side right now, people. I'm not on the bright side, but, um, but yes, it's probably only now, you know, 10, 10 years out that I can look back and say, okay, you, you made it, you know, you survived, but I really did love that career, you know, and all the people were like, Oh, you could do something you love. Well, I kind of love that. I did love what I was doing. Um, but it equipped me with the tools to know I can wing it and I can, I'm a survivor. And I didn't, I think it taught me things about myself that I didn't know. And one, um, one, one person I worked with when I, I said, I talked about that, her, um, that with her, you know, this idea of it'll be the best thing that ever happened to you. And people said that, and how are you supposed to know? And she said, why do you have to keep track? You know, why are you tracking? You'll never know what was the best thing. You'll never know what would have happened, but look at the positive that came from any bad thing, like, you know, and, 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 and stick to that. So yeah, that's maybe a backwards way of looking at it, but I kind of feel like first you got to walk through the muck and you got to embrace the muck and you got to be okay with the muck and then you got to walk out and, and, and move forward. But, and just look at it as sort of your breadcrumbs on the trail that you left. But, but I like her idea of not measuring. I do too. I really do. Thank you for sharing that. I've never heard it said that way, but that is something I'm going to take away from today and be sitting here contemplating for sure. Um, but it goes back too to that thread that you said earlier that there is a thread that always exists. We just can't see it. Um, and I, that's what I try to apply that tool of curiosity to everything thinking, Hmm, I can't wait to see how this is all interconnected. You know, I can't see the 30,000 foot view of my own life, but there's a thread. It's going to come into play at some point that, you know, that tool or that skill I learned or, you know, the, the, um, you know, the, the resiliency I had to gain through that experience. And, um, so I try to remind myself, at least in those dark times, I can embrace the suck. As you were saying, you said muck, I'll say suck. 
Okay, guys, I know many of you are small business owners and you probably are struggling with the same thing that I struggled with when I started my business, a payment processing system that does the work for you. You want an easy solution, something you can plug and play. And believe me, I have tried them all and I have found one that I love. So of course, I had to share it with you, the listener. It's called Noon Clark. It is amazing. All you have to do is create a form or a payment plan for your client once. And if you're setting them up on a recurring payment system, not only does it email them before the payment is charged, but it thanks them afterwards all automatically for you. It is a total no-brainer if you have any recurring charges for your customers. Or if you're just setting up a one-time payment, you can use the same link every single time. And that has saved me countless hours. Rather than other systems where I had to customize a link every time and I was charging the same amount, it just created so much more administrative work. And Moonclerk eliminates all of that for you. So if you want to simplify your business, try out Moonclerk. Trust me. You know how you're listening to this podcast on your phone right now? Well, click on the description and the link is right there. It's so simple. Or you can always head to my Instagram and click the link in my profile. Either way, I know you're going to love Moonclerk. And I can't wait to hear how much time it saves you. Um, I like suck. That's good. Embrace embrace the suck. You're right. Yeah. And then, you know, but quickly shift or, or, or at least, you know, maybe give myself a day, give myself some grace and then shift and be able to say, okay, there, there's a thread here. Let me just keep walking. Um, take the next step and then we'll see what happens. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I, I, I fully agree on, you got to give yourself, you know, cry for a couple of days, eat the bag of potato chips, watch law and order over and over and over. <laughs> And then make a plan and then charge forward. And, you know, that thread, I, I do think you have to think of the things like, you know, think of the, um, well, you, I think you learn things like you think of gratitude. You became, I, you know, I became much more grateful after um, losing my job because I realized, oh, that was not a guarantee. Nothing was a guarantee. So there's a little thread. And remembering, um, I call it my austerity measures. You know, I, I stopped buying this fancy hand soap, molten brown soap. I, I, you know, I, the measure of all like, Oh, I have some money. I've made it. I can buy a $25 soap. Um, and, but I never bought it again and I never want it again. And, um, that was sort of on that sort of thread, these tiny things that you remember, you know, you don't need all those things. And so remember those little tiny details. So it was the hard stuff because I remember luxuriating in that last pump of molten brown. And I'm like, oh, damn, this is the end of this beautiful Thai Verit soap because I'm going hard up austerity now. And um, and it was all okay. You know, it was good. But these things like gratitude or whatever little nuggets and the, and the misery too, if you can draw on that, you know, I don't believe in like dismissing, you know, that feeling of how screwed am I right now? You know, cause then you remember I was that screwed, but I still came out. Okay. Absolutely. Um, 
So in thinking about some of the things, you know, we talked briefly about the the tools that you found helpful, if you wouldn't mind, just for any of our listeners out there that may be kind of where you were trying all the things, maybe anything that you learned, not to disparage them, that, you know, gosh, that was just a waste to save them a little pain of maybe spending the money or experimenting in in this new age, you know, thing that they wanted to try or thought was going to be the solution. Any of them that you're like, just don't do it. <laughs> well, I would say all of, I, I still love all the astrology and the numerology and I loved the dating coach and all that, but I would say, um, don't do it unless you're doing it for fun because it is not going to change your life. So if I think it's not, don't do it because I say, do whatever, you know, if you feel like it's super fun, I mean, don't take that dating seminar, that's for sure. But I can't even remember where, how to find that again. But, um, I would say don't, not so much. Don't do it. Don't do it. If you think it's going to change your life. But on the flip side of that, something like Marie Kondo, which I had a very interesting realization from that. So, I Marie Kondo the living crap out of my house in hopes that, you know, she promises, you know, you only keep what sparks joy and the doors will fly open and success, as we talked about at the beginning of, of this discussion, you know, will come pouring in and life will be great. And what I found and what I think you can find from many of these things is not to go in with the expectation that, yeah, you're going to win an Academy Award once you, you know, roll your t-shirts. Um, but more what else comes from that? And what came from Marie Kondo, which I found interesting, was, yeah, none of my clothes sparked joy and I threw almost everything out. But then a few weeks later, or maybe even a month later, someone was like, oh, we're going to go for dinner with this big group of people. And I really didn't want to go. And I was like, wait, I can apply this, you know, joy-o-meter to everything in life. So this isn't just about my stuff or like, you know, the do- barn doors flying open and all of a sudden I'm super successful and life is great. But what about just only doing things that spark joy in life? Or what about only eating food that sparks joy rather than, you know, some crappy chocolate bar, you know, because you're bored. And so that was this side effect or this sidebar, you know, that was never the intention of Marie Kondo, I don't think, um, maybe, maybe she knew that, that, that would happen, but that you start applying these things to other things in life. And to just continue from there, one thing that then happened, I had sort of what I call, um, in Zen bender, a no problem. You know, I would say yes to everything. And then I was all of a sudden, it empowered me to start saying no. And so there was this, you know, I don't know if we can pinpoint it back to, you know, the way, my drawers are organized now, but it did, I can kind of connect those dots and think it all sort of happened at the same time. And maybe there is something to just getting in that mindset of something like joy or, you know, whatever book, like any of the books that I I talk about in Zen Bender, something else came of it. So something else, you know, so while I wouldn't say, um, you know, some of these dating books and whatever, I'm still single 10 years after starting all this stuff. So, you know, maybe they didn't work, but, um, well, they didn't, (laughs) not maybe. (laughs) How could anyone not love you? You're hilarious. Uh, Thank you. Um, but you know, something else came of it in all of those cases. So I, I have no warning, warning, don't do it. Um, but 
whatever, don't do everything at once, which was kind of my problem. And think of all the free things like going for a walk. Oh, what a beautiful answer. I love that. Simplicity is the key sometimes. And I just love the way you summed that all up. Um, so I am leaving this conversation thinking I absolutely cannot wait to read Zenbender because your viewpoint on life is fantastic. You have such humor that I can already tell you've incorporated into the book throughout, which is a gift because, you know, we just don't need to take life all that seriously is kind of one of the sentiments I'm getting from what you're saying too. Um, so if people want to interact with you and follow your journey as you um, continue to share Zenbender with other people, how can they stay in touch with you? Sure. Um, on Instagram and Twitter, I am at Steffi Crick because my name is so long I had to shorten it because I'm Stephanie Krikorian. But Steffi Crick, S-T-E-P-H-I-E-K-R-I-K at Steffi Crick. And I try to put most everything up there. Um, I've got some upcoming book signings in New York City and Mystic, Connecticut, and out in Santa Barbara. And um, yeah, my website, I mean, I think you're prob- probably better on the social media, but my website is myname.com. And um, that's it for now. Great. And they can just jump on Amazon or your local bookseller? Amazon <laughs> and local booksellers. And um, I think like places like Targets online at Target or in Target, I don't know. And yeah, all the places books are sold, but Amazon for sure. Fantastic. Stephanie, thank you so much for sharing your time with me. That was so much fun. It was so much fun. I can't wait to stay in touch and uh, I appreciate your time. And is there anything else you want to share with our listeners before you go? No, that was terrific. Thank you. All right. Well, have a great day and thanks again. Thanks so much for listening to the Hitting Rock Middle podcast. I'm your host, Sally Holder. Remember that you can always find out more about me by visiting sallyholder.com. That's S-A-L-L-I-E-H-O-L-D-E-R.com. And if you want to stay in touch or get more free tips from me, make sure to join my free weekly newsletter that's filled with tips to help you achieve your greatest potential. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or anywhere where you're currently listening. And leave us a review. It really is a small thing to do that goes a long way to helping others find our show too. We'll be back next week with another empowering story of dreaming beyond the American dream. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.